This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, Putin's war in Ukraine is causing grief, firstly and mostly, to the people of Ukraine, where some terrible war crimes have been committed and continue to be committed. The suffering in the West will come during this winter, when uh, we uh, struggle to find energy to supply the Russians have turned off the taps. The West is in crisis, there's no doubt about that. And a lot of that crisis is due to what's happening in Ukraine. And this has been an important weekend in Ukraine, where the Ukrainian troops have launched what looks like a successful counterattack on the Russians in their territory. We're joined now by Senator Tom Clonan. Tom was an officer commanding Irish troops under the United Nations a mission in Lebanon back in the day. He witnessed Operation Grapes of Wrath, which was a massacre of refugees in the village of Kana uh, in April 1996. He is now a senator for Trinity College. He's an author as well. But more than anything at this moment, he understands the significance of what's happening on the battlefield. Tom, thank you very much for joining us. The Russians appear to have had a bad few days, and in one particular case, they've been pushed back to within 50 kilometers of their own border. This is in the east, the northeast of Ukraine, and the Ukrainian counteroffensive appears to have come as a surprise. But the news has got back to Russia, and one of the Chechen commanders who is uh, the Chechens are helping uh, Russia and have troops in Ukraine. A man called Kadyrov said Putin may not be getting the full message of, of what's really happening, but he needs to hear it. And there is a lot of criticism of Putin in Russia now, and it's not veiled in many cases. What, what's What's happening? So the Ukrainian military have made... Uh, an extraordinarily rapid advance into uh, positions previously held by the Russians. And um, to understand that in, in the context of this war, which began on the 24th of February, actually today I think is day 200 of the yes. war. 
And in that, in those 200 days, there have been three main phases. Um, the initial failure to advance on Kiev, and then stage two was the, the pivot on Putin's part back to what he called a speci- special military operation in Donbass. So it took, it took the Russians about 12 weeks to uh, consolidate their gains in the Luhansk uh, and Kharkiv oblasts. 12 weeks, very slow. You know, you're talking about a couple of hundred meters every day, if, if even that, involving the complete destruction of um, villages and towns and the forceful um, expatriation or removal of whole populations of 1.5 million Ukrainians transported, literally, into, into Russia proper. So very slow, very brutal, and none of what the Russians are famous for, which is called Maskarovka, or deception plans, surprise, their operations have been very, very, uh, you know, frontal, brutal, predictable, uh, just by sheer weight of, of numbers in terms of their artillery, rocket systems. But they began to lose so many people that they, they, they began to lose momentum. So the third phase, which was to take um, Donetsk, really has stalled. And the Ukrainians were counterattacking um, since August in and around the Kherson region, down near that uh, Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. And then suddenly, this week, and I've been writing about this uh, since December, um, things began to move very, very quickly, which is uncharacteristic and atypical for this particular war. So the uh, Ukrainian military uh, this week began an offensive uh, towards a number of towns, a kind of an axis advance of advance along Ozernoy, Verbivka, Volokovyar, and what they were trying to do was get to Shevken- Shevkenkovy, and then maybe Kupiansk. Now, I was writing about this on Thursday, and by the time I had finished writing the article, which was due for publication on Friday, not only had the Ukrainians taken Kupiansk, but they had they had begun to enter uh, Izium, which Izium is, uh, is a very important strategic uh, place. It is, and you know, maps are a great thing if if anybody has an old fashioned atlas and just have a look at the locations of the towns of Kupiansk and Izium. They're on an axis more or less northeast to south, southeast, south, southwest rather, and um, pointing down towards the center of gravity of uh, Russian operations in the Donbass. It's, it's a critical artery. Uh, you know, it's, it's the primary supply route for weapons, for ammunition, for troops, for armor. Everything is going down that, that, that particular artery. And as you said in your introduction, you know, it, it leads right up to the border with Russia um, along the Orskaya Oblast, the Volgograd Oblast. There's a number of, of, of big Russian um, principalities that, that kind of have a junction along that piece of border there. So the the, the speed of it, though, like, uh, you know, they were, they were advancing 10, 15, 20 kilometers per day. They're very, very rapid advances. And it, it tells you two things. Number one, as a combined arms operation to continue. So you don't just advance in, in a massive armored column. You, you would have a number of units moving side by side, kind of leapfrog, leapfrogging each other. Yes. One, it's, it's called, um, it's a sort of 
a simplification would be, co be called cover and movement. So you have one unit will hold ground and then provide massive fire support uh, and, and flanking support for the next unit that moves forward. So these kind of combined arms operations involving the, the fast forward leapfrogging of artillery, rocket systems, armor, and all of the logistic support to, to, to keep that um, rate of exploitation, you know, six, seven, eight, ten miles a day, requires a great deal of planning, forethought, and pr preparation. So that's the one of the telling things. So this was a very, this isn't a lucky break or some sort of a, you know, a wildcat strike that suddenly got lucky. This has been a, a very carefully prepared operation, which hasn't lost its momentum. So they've been able to resupply with ammunition, with petrol, oil, lubricants, everything that they need to keep their troops moving forward and to get momentum. And we haven't seen this type of momentum in the war before. The other very telling thing is the, the Russian collapse. And I know that that's an emotive word. And in an age of disinformation and propaganda, people might say it's it's kind of barrel-chested, bombastic language. But there has been no fighting withdrawal. There has been no, um, you know, carefully planned or phased withdrawal on the Russian part. They have dropped and they've dropped their equipment, their armor, and they have literally fled. They have been routed. Yes, I mean one of the Ukrainian generals said that they sprinted like they were like Olympic sprinters and they even used bicycles and as you say they left their equipment including tanks uh, behind and this commitment and morale factor appears to be a key element in this conflict the the Russians repeatedly not stepping up to the plate not having the desire or the belief or the morale to keep fighting whereas the Ukraine troops are determined, committed, and the leadership of Zelensky, their president, is very important in this regard. He sent a message uh, on yesterday, actually, to Putin saying, if you thought you'd beat us, you were wrong. You've been wrong about everything. We're going to chase you out of our country. So this, after, as you say, 200 days, nearly seven months, is quite remarkable, isn't it? When you think of what we imagined the power of the Russian army to be? Well, up, up until now, Eamon, in our conversations, um, I've been emphasising the need for Putin to get some sort of a victory out of um, yeah. Ukraine. The time time was beginning to, the clock was, was, was ticking down on him in that we're now firmly in autumn and winter is approaching. And I've, I've been saying up until now that Really, there was pressure on Putin to achieve some sort of a victory that he could to save face um, before winter set in. Um, but now he's confronted with this massive setback. And it is uh, significant that you, you pointed out in your introduction that there are critical voices emerging from amongst, yes. you know, and because he has been recruiting troops from the Caucasus republics. And these are some of the poorest republics within the Russian Federation um, to recruit soldiers to come and fight on a contract basis. Um, so the vast majority actually of recorded fatalities are from those republics. There are very, you now there are some, but, but much fewer uh, casualties from around the St. Petersburg or Moscow metropolitan areas where Putin, you know, has his support base and his, his oligarchs. So the fact that they're now beginning to speak out 
uh, spells trouble for, for for Putin. And in fact, his own military spokesperson, uh, Lieutenant General Igor Konoshenkov, has admitted that the Russians have had to withdraw. Um, they're, they're, they're withdrawing their troops to east of a physical feature called the Oskil River um, to try and regroup or maintain some sort of order um, short of the border there with Russia. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Vladimir Putin is supposed to meet uh, Xi Jinping in Uzbekistan this week. And last week, the speculation was, would in the, at this meeting, would Xi Jinping say anything that might explicitly endorse Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine? Now the situation has dramatically changed. I would say the question now is, will Vladimir Putin leave the Kremlin this week? Would, yes. would he take that risk and leave the country um, to go to Uzbekistan? That, that's going to be very interesting. But this, as you say, is Putin's war. His aura is the strong man of Russia. Uh, this is very embarrassing for him. It puts him under uh, an extraordinary amount of pressure. The question will be, wh what will he do um, next in order to try and, um, I suppose, turn the situation around or control the, the impact it has on him? Yes, well, what he did yesterday and what his uh, uh, generals did, one of them uh, who had been appointed last week, uh, was uh, unappointed and taken out altogether. But they did use their artillery to strike uh, Kharkiv to put the lights out, the energy out, and to black out. Uh, there was no military advantage. It was just an act of terror, really. Uh, but this uh, man, Kadyrov, the Chechen uh, leader, is among those, and there appear to be quite a few, who are criticizing Russia's military for retreating, he said, Kadyrov, that if the army strategy didn't change, he would speak to the leadership of the country. The leadership of the country, of course, is Putin. And as you pointed out, this is Putin's war, and it's his reputation that's on the line. And there is now signs of internal dissent. And this is part of what Zelensky and particularly his US and British advisors will be um, keen to exploit. This is what they would refer to as the, the, the moral the moral battlefield yes. or the you know the moral operation. And and translated actually into just very simple language, that's about fear. Uh, Vladimir Putin has used disinformation and intimidation from the uh, from the very beginning of this conflict the the concentration of forces in in Belarus and along the border with Ukraine that slow very open build up that you know the eyes of the world were on them there was no yes. attempt there was no attempt at deception there was no attempt at trying to conceal what they were doing and you know uh, i i heard somebody use the expression this morning we had peak putin on the 24th yes. of february before his troops poured over the border so intimidation and fear um, are key components of Vladimir Putin's kind of sort of wider, uh, what they call grey zone or asymmetrical component to his operations. And that is now, they've turned the tables because if you go to fight in Ukraine as a Russian soldier, whether you're a conscript, whether you're somebody under compulsory service or somebody who's been tempted into a temporary contract from one of those uh, republics, you now have a two in three chance of being killed 
or very seriously injured. You know, you're talking about, um, you know, limb separation. Yes. So the, the, the motivation to fight has been seriously eroded. And that evidence of that is in the collapse and the, 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 the routing of troops in, in the Kharkiv Oblast. It'll be interesting to see if that continues. Does it have a domino effect on their positions in around Kherson, Mariupol, Melitopol? Because if it does, then the Ukrainians, you know, who have an absolute motivation to fight and to move forward, you know, it's, it's this thing, that momentum. But interesting, uh, you know, I was reading, uh, I, was, I was reviewing um, a book there uh, on, on military leadership, which, which has explored this um, operation in Ukraine and, and previous ones. The big thing is about intimidation, force projection and fear. It's, yes. If you remember that phrase from the last 10 years, fearing up the population. Yes. Well, I think Zelensky has achieved that. Um, and that, that's very, very difficult for Putin. You know, they laughed at Zelensky, you know, a comedian. Um, but from the start, he's done some very simple things. Like he always appears in, in, in combat uniform. Uh, he, he, you know, he's with the troops, whereas Putin is remote, uh, be suited, yes. in, you know, at the end of very, very long tables in, in, in the Kremlin. It now appears that, you know, so there's a sense now of his disconnect, you know, with Kadyrov saying that he doesn't know or he hasn't been told about what's happening. I'm sure he is aware, but I suppose Putin, um, the, this operation to begin with was, was, was very reckless. And to be honest, um, it defied logic. Um, it, it, it spoke of a man who invaded a country of 40 million people with quite a small invasion force, just 150, 160,000 troops along three separate axes of advance. So it's clear from the start that Putin isn't listening to yes. advice that his generals are not in a position um, to provide him with, with critical constructive feedback. And if that's the case, then his actions this week and in the next number of weeks are very difficult to predict. And and I again, I've said this before, my fear would be that he might be tempted to use a, what they call it, you know, a small tactical nuclear weapon, perhaps at a target like Kramatorsk or uh, Slavyansk, or you know, these are the the, the counterpart uh, military hubs for the Ukrainians uh, in in that area. Yes. Now you you've raised a critical point there, Tom, that the West will have to countenance. Uh, just to say that uh, last night, uh, you may or may not know that Zelensky said the next ninety days are critical. Uh, that takes us to December, of course, and it takes us to winter. Uh, he said in that period, they want to keep advancing. They want to push the Russians out. They believe they can win. This is a, uh, and now they are winning with the support of the West uh, in terms of weapons and money. But I suppose the question is this, winter, what difference does that make? And maintaining the momentum and uh, securing the continuing support of Europe. And the United States uh, doesn't appear to waver. Europe, we saw yesterday, far right, looked like they've won the, Swe uh, the Swedish election. And the costs for European countries, as you, we all know, in terms of energy and uh, suffering of people uh, uh, in the end, it, it, it does require 
us to continue to support Zelensky and the Ukrainian people, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think this breakthrough assists that in that yes. if we were bogged down in a, in a brutal stalemate with, you know, horrific exchange ratios of, you know, casualties on all sides, then, you know, people might grow weary of the conflict and there would be increased pressure. And I, I'm, I count myself among those who, who would have said, you know, this needs, there needs to be a negotiated settlement. But this is an entirely, this has taken us into an entirely different, um, area in that it is dynamic and it is moving. So therefore it's easier from, from the political perspective, th there's a better narrative in play here that the, d the defeat of Russian forces in around Kharkiv not only aligns with Europe's values, but also aligns with our medium to long-term interests. The I mean, it's been said, uh, Tom, by everybody, including President Biden and most European leaders, that Vladimir Putin must not be allowed to win. He must be stopped. And that sort of solidarity, uh, there's a reason for that, isn't there? Because if, if he's not stopped there, we don't know where he's going next. Well, my, my assumption had been throughout this, and uh, well, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks, but I would, have, I would have said consistently that you can't get the Russians out of Donbass, that to try and do so would constitute a war of annihilation. Yes. And that events in the last 72 hours have, have proven me, uh, perhaps have proven me, me wrong on that point, in that the Zelensky has made significant gains. But yes, this is going to be a difficult winter. Um, and, and we know everybody listening, you know, there's an estimate now of, of 6,000 euro to heat an average yes. three bedroom, you know, semi detached home. But there is no alternative. Um, we, Europe has decided to, to, to back Zelensky and they seem to have backed the right horse. It's interesting that Liz Truss, in appointing her cabinet, has retained Ben Wallace. Yes. As Defence Secretary, a retired army officer who's been hawkish and, and bullish on the war. And she's also appointed James Cleverly uh, as Foreign Secretary. Again, another person with, with, with some military experience uh, who is hawkish on the war and has taken a, a great interest in, in that. So, so again, Britain's support for Zelensky, despite all of the havoc and the chaos around the Tory leadership struggles and the drama and the soap opera. Yeah, I mean, there, and it's, uh, it's to, be fair, to be fair to Boris Johnson, he was first out of the traps, if you like, in Europe in providing weapons and, uh, and, that's, and support. And that's best understood in, in the context of their membership of NATO. And they always have been yes. the key link in what's called the transatlantic relationship between Washington and, and Europe. You know, if Biden asks the question, who do, who do I speak to in Europe? Yes. Well, prior to Brexit, you know, I, I imagine, you know, it would have been the European Union, but Britain has always held, occupied that role. And they have an understanding from their own conduct of conflict in the past yes. about, you know, intimidation. And what do you do when a regional bully like Putin uh, uses force to, to you know, achieve, you, you can't, they, they would argue that you can't negotiate um, with somebody who behaves in that way. And the fear would have been that if he had, if he had succeeded, that he would uh, regroup, reorganize, and then subsequently move on Odessa into Transnistria, possibly into Moldova, 
and continue his grand design yes. of, you know, extending the Russian Federation out to what uh, were once the, the borders of the Soviet Union. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. He, he, he must be troubled by internal criticism, not just from military people, but from people in his own circle. And I suppose this weekend has spelt one thing, failure. Even if it's failure, uh, it's an important failure, isn't it? Given where it's taken place in the Northeast, given that an estimated 3,000 square kilometers of territory has been reclaimed by the Ukrainians. I mean, that is failure by any measure, isn't it? Yeah, hundreds of, of th thousands of square kilometers now. They're, they're saying it could be the equivalent of the, the size of, of the whole of County Cork, shall yes. we say, just, you know, to, you know, the, the largest county in Ireland, you know, in just a number of days. Apparently, Putin, um, according to Kremlin insiders, had a clip of the, the killing of um, Gaddafi in Libya when he was kind of hounded out of a culvert under a road. Yes. And then beaten and filmed and uh, uh, murdered. And then his body paraded on a pickup truck. So these strong men, people like Saddam Hussein, people like yes. Nikolai Ceausescu, they and, and Putin will be painfully aware of this, that they they always appear unassailable. They appear impregnable. These are the strong men, you know. Yes. But when they unravel, they unravel very, very quickly. And yes. that, I imagine, would would be the, the, the case for, for Putin. That's what he's thinking about. But 
the Russians at the moment, you know, they're withdrawing towards the Russian border, which is, uh, as you said in your intro, quite close to where this action is taking place. If they are to move troops into the area, it'll be by rail. They'll have to organize that, get their armor up, de-train de- de- them, get them onto, onto towing platforms, get them down into the field. So if the Russians are going to launch a major counterattack to, to, to retake territory that has been taken by, by Zelensky, that's going to happen in the next week to 10 days. But the problem for Russia is that they, they, where will they get the troops? What operational units from around the Russian Federation would be mobilized yes. and, and sent to, the, and that, that might require declaring a war, you know, formally yes. declaring war against uh, Ukraine. That that could be a next step for for Putin to try and, I suppose, hang on to power for another period of time to try and reverse the situation. And then the other one, the other awful alternative would be to uh, to threaten to use a nuclear weapon or to use one or to deploy one into the field very very visibly. Um, and these are all very high stakes gambles for Putin. But if you look at his behavior in the past, he has been reckless with the use of force and the use of, of, of chemical agents, Novichok, yes. uh, which is the Russian word for newcomer, uh, which is a, a new nerve agent, which had the absolutely unmistakable fingerprint or signal of the Russian uh, state apparatus. And that's why they used it to signal yes. that, to tell the world, you know, this is what we're prepared to do. They also used um, polonium radioactive substances so so he has shown himself to be a leader who's prepared to use non-conventional means or dirty weapons whether they be chemical or nuclear biological radio radioactive to to achieve his his ends so for that reason and he did explicitly himself threaten the use of of nuclear weapons yes, uh, back in february yes. he mentioned it twice uh, prior to the invasion and then uh, as his troops were moving in, he warned that if the West intervened, that he would take action such uh, the likes of which you know ha- have not been seen before in human history. So that th- there are elements that are in the mix. So the stakes are very high for not just for for Ukraine, but for for Europe and for Russia itself. Okay, Tom. Just would it be fair to say finally that um, he will be at his most dangerous in terms of the use of a tactical nuclear weapon when uh, the going gets toughest and also can I ask you about what would NATO be obliged to do in the event of a tactical nuclear weapon being used? If Russia uses a nuclear weapon the NATO will respond immediately right? and, and it'll be a massive, massive not nuclear, not initially I think there would be a massive conventional reaction and I think military targets all across Russia, Moscow, and it would be would be obliterated in in a in an absolutely massive retaliatory strike. And then the world would have to get to grips with the environmental and humanitarian consequences of any Russian nuclear uh, strike in Ukraine, because it right. would, you know, it would be an apo- a, a, a catastrophic move. So we nobody. I mean, the Russians are as afraid of this. As we are, yes. And those around Putin, if he gives the order to to deploy such a weapon, I wonder, I wonder, would they carry it out? Okay, Tom, uh, we're very grateful to you for joining us uh, today. We're very grateful to Tom, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for. We'll talk to you soon. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.